Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of The Hot Lap. I, as ever, am your host, Lee Stevens. This one's late, um, I am massively loud. Most of the time I would restart that, but that should be a more comfortable level for your ears. Um, it's late. It's a late podcast because I'm perfectly fucking honest. I didn't really know what to talk about. Even even the talking points were sort of thin because there was nothing really, nothing really happened, did it? Uh, so let's do what we would normally do. But first of all, actually, I don't usually talk about qualifying. Um, I think it's worthy. I've just talked about qualifying just to mention that lap by George Russell, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, Three-tenths off pole. Very near identical time to Lewis Hamilton in a Mercedes and not a Williams Mercedes. Unreal. Unreal lap. And... If you know if the if the deal wasn't done for him to go in Mercedes next year, then it absolutely should be. And I know I know the Lewis Hamilton fanboys don't like hearing this, but I think Lewis is going to be in trouble. I do. I don't hate Lewis Hamilton. I think he's a very good driver. I'm neutral, neutral with Lewis Hamilton. He's never been my favourite driver, but I've uh, been like a 
from the United Kingdom vicinity. I've always uh, I've always stuck up for British drivers, um, be it or, or Irish drivers in Eddie Irvine's case, or Scottish drivers in um, uh, David Coulthard's case. It's not Ralph Furman's case, but there you go. But I'm just one of those people that naturally gravitates to things that are geographically close to me. I don't know where it is. You just you, you just want things that are close to you to do well, don't you? I um I, I just I think it was the best lap I think I've ever seen someone doing a Formula One car. Um I know that's a obviously gonna spark argument with some people, but like the most impressive thing I've seen in a low end a low sort of formula low lying team in Formula One before this was what Damon Hill did in Hungary in 1997 when he qualified third, was he second or third um, in the Arrows and then proceeded to go and finish second where he should have won the race because a fucking washer broke on his car. But um, the reason I think this is more impressive is because Damon Hill was a world champion already. He was a known quantity and um, we'd seen him do like, exceptional stuff in Formula 1 cars before for George Russell to do this after being at the back of the grid for so long and it's it's the same as um, when he did the uh, when he stood in for Mercedes when Lewis Hamilton had uh, the Rones it's the same situation because it was he's been used to being in the back of the grid he's been used to not being able to fight but the minute you give him something competitive and like he just handles it and he does it you know and that race he, sh- he was in mercedes he should have won that race twice twice that race was stolen from him so yeah i massive massive props for uh george russell for that lap and i can't wait for the uh the future for him i think it's i think we'll, we'll, we might talk about that a little bit later it depends it's gonna be a bit of a waffle podcast this i think i'm not sure it's probably not gonna be a massive one um the is it worth running through the uh driver order it's probably worth running through the top 10 uh, i suppose uh the point scorers were carlos Sainz in 10th uh nicholas latifi in 9th charles leclerc 8th esteban ocon in 7th pierre gasly 6th sebastian vettel 5th daniel ricardo 4th which quietly quietly I think Daniel Ricciardo would just take that and he'll be quite happy for the points. Um, Lewis Hamilton third, George Russell second, Max Verstappen first. Now, and obviously that was a qualifying order. Now, do we think the race should have run? Or do we do we think the race run in in any situation? You know, it, 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 should we be able to call that a a full Grand Prix, and I don't, I don't think we should do. Um, I think f- points being awarded were farcical. It was just to appease, like contract the contracts between television rights and uh, circuit owners. And um, there's an interesting video uh, on this on um, what's his name. Peter Windsor, Peter Windsor's YouTube channel. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know how much Peter Windsor has like permeated the, like, outside of the UK and sort of uh, for Formula One. But he's he's an excellent um, motor racing journalist, excellent Formula One pundit. He's one of one of my favourites. 
Um, in fact, a little-known story is that he used to have a podcast with Craig Scarborough called The Flying Lap, which was less of a podcast, more of maybe a YouTube show before its time, um, where they had like a little studio built up and they would they like talk about Formula One. It was that show because before Three Legs Four Wheels and before this pro this there, uh, I started doing like vlogs on my own, talk about Formula One, uh, which I think are now lost in the eons of time uh, on YouTube. Um, and that's when I decided I couldn't do it on my own. I didn't want to do it on my do, do it on my own. And now here I am doing it on my own. But um, the it was that show that inspired me to start like making content essentially you know before musi audio that was that was the first my first sort of dipping my toe into making something and then throwing it off into the ether for other people to judge but he had um nigel mansell on his show this week and nigel mansell had an interesting take on the uh the situation that went on in belgium he thinks they should have raced. And at first I thought, oh, here we go again. An aging racing driver talking about how we were all braver in my day. But it wasn't that. And I shouldn't have thought it was going to be that because Nigel is a pretty level-headed and um, I don't want to use the word bloodthirsty. Um, but, you know, the... Those sort of, there's certain people out there that used to race that are just like, well, if you if you fucking die, you die. It's 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 the risk we take. Um, and Nigel Mantle isn't one of those people, but he did point out holes in the rules where he said there was a, there was an opportunity for the rules to be adjusted on the fly to make these cars easier to drive in the wet, allow the teams to raise ride heights, change wheel camber, all those sort of things, and. He said the necessary things weren't put in place. He also had a really good idea, which was instead of having the cars out behind a safety car, he sh- they should have sent all of the cars out, um, gave them a lap delta of something like, I think he said, like 20 to 30 seconds slower than what they could actually go so it was safe, and just put them out there with, with this lap delta under double double race, like under double yellows, like a virtual safety car and allow them to clear the water from the track and do that for a few laps and see where they land. And it also pointed out that, you know, they went out for a lap at the beginning, then came straight back in the pits, then we waited three hours, and then they did the same thing again so they could get away with with it. But we've never really seen that in the past. Sometimes when there's been bad weather, you know, we've, we've thrown the safety car out, the cars have gone round for a little bit to try and clear some water, you know, and we've had it before on like wet race starts where you'll start under under like a safety car condition and then the safety car appeal and they do a standing start because they cleared the water from the circuit i am um, i can't help feel i don't know if any of you guys i don't know what your hobbies are um i have a few but my, i mean my main hobby is like playing drums in a band and i love playing drums in a band don't get me wrong about this yeah i you know genuinely genuinely live for playing drums and music but Sometimes you go to rehearsal and you don't want to be there. And it's like the minute you can tell when nobody really wants to be there. And the minute somebody says, oh, yeah, well, we could just go. 
and everyone goes, oh, yeah, 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 we should just go. And then you go home and it's fine. But it's it's that moment where nobody really wants to be the one to say they don't want to do something. So it's just kind of everybody flirts around it until we go home. That's what this race felt like. Because it felt like they never actually tried to put a motor race on. Um, Nigel Mansell also pointed out the fact that when you look at how the safety of cars have cars has come on i i pointed this out in uh on three legs four wheels as well you know that that huge smash that um landon norris had in qualifying and yeah he was obviously shaken battered and bruised but 10 years ago that that would have been a near fatal crash you know that would have been someone being fucking hurt man um so what's the point what's the point in us getting these cars to the point where they've got such high, high levels of safety, and I do, and I don't get me wrong, I, I, I applaud the level of safety. I think it's a good thing. But if you're not going to use them when it's dangerous, then I don't, I don't know what we're trying to do. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people saying that the, um, the race should be refunded for people. I get that. I understand. I understand that they didn't get to see, they didn't get to see what they paid for. But on the other hand, if nobody gets, nobody gets to choose the rain, so who pays for it? And that's it. See, that's the point where we have to go right. Well, did it's not the circuit's fault. It's not the circuit's fault. It's rain. It's it's rained. It the circuit's done their job. They have the marshals there. They have made it available for people to turn up. They had the facilities ready for the for, uh, ready for the teams. Um, so, f- in my eyes, it's not down to the circuit to refund the punters, because the only person that didn't really fulfil their contractual obligation, it be it a, like a verbal or um, what would be a good word for it, like a, a sportsman's agreement between the Formula One, the FIA, and Formula One fans as a whole, the agreement is to put on a motor race. So it's they are the ones that have reneged on that element of a Grand Prix weekend of not just... They didn't just not put one on, not attempting to put one on. Um, Something needs to be done, I think, with the... Uh, with the structure of a race weekend uh, because of this, especially if if this is like the... We've seen this coming for a while now. We owe it to, we, we've seen the way Formula 1's been moving. Hopefully, going back to these 2022 cars next year, hopefully this is going to th- send things back a little bit where it was a little bit easier to drive in the rain and it was a little bit like easier for visibility for cars. But if you... <laughs> It's it almost happened in Canada, for instance, you know, where we had that massive delay. We we nearly didn't get a Grand Prix then. It's happened before. I think it happened in Suzuka in recent memory as well. So it's not like this hasn't been on the cards for a while. And if it was gonna happen anyway, it was gonna happen in Belgium. But it's the lack of um the lack of ownership that Formula One has taken over it and it just the fact that it's gone, well, we fucking 
did our thing. We did two laps. We put a race on. You saw the race. There was cars on the track. And then we got the champagne and we sprayed the champagne. That's a race. Um, I, I just found it a bit distasteful and a bit... Oh, no, see, the problem is, is there's two there's two sets of people that have this sort of thing. There's like like everything a left and right divide. Um, on one side you have the people that will go, oh, it's yeah, you know, it's everything's got to be hundred percent safe. You shouldn't send cars out; it's dangerous at all. And I, not gonna lie. I think there's a bit of fucking virtue signaling in that because they're saying something that they don't believe. They're saying be- because if you if motorsport wasn't dangerous, it wouldn't be interesting. That's why robo race won't be interesting. That's why esports is interesting to watch but not exciting because there's no stakes. Motorsport is, has high stakes because the risk-reward, the reward is glory, the risk is death, you know. Um, but on the, on the right side, you have these other people that will go, no, it's, you know, it's, it's like fucking take the halos off, uh, I want it just to be carbon fibre, fuck the uh, fuel cell, I want, this, I want the fuel to be sloshing around in the cockpit, uh, if they burst into flames, they know the rules, the throttle, both, the throttle goes both ways, that sort of thing. And then you got me sat in the middle going, well, I think you guys are fucking crazy and you guys over there that want everything to be safe are just disingenuous. Um, so you you end up in this situation where you can't have, you can't turn around and say, uh, I think things should be safe, but there's always going to be an element of risk about it because you will have both sides shout at you. One side doesn't. One side thinks you want to kill people. The other side thinks you don't want to kill people enough. Fuck, fucking crazy. And I think this is one of the problems we have with social media because if this had been back in the nineties, we wouldn't have had a say. We'd have moaned. We'd have moaned to each other. We'd have moaned to our friends. We'd have gone up the pub. We'd go, "Fuck, that was fucking awful." Ugh. There might have been a couple of nasty letters wrote into Ofcom about how this was done, and then people would have just moved on. People would have moved on. But unfortunately, the rule makers, the rule makers see your tweets. They see that even if it's not your individual tweet, they see the tide of social media flowing around, and it's although a small proportion of the people watching it is the only barometer for how many for what people think and i think they look at it too much and so in a way i think we've, we kind of bring these things on ourselves because if if massey had tried to race and there'd have been an accident we'd have called for his head um i i think that happened on saturday with Judge uh, with uh, Lando Norris's crash and Sebastian Vettel, there was a bit of a pile on because Vettel called for the, um, like called for it to be red flagged, but Lando Norris didn't. He said there was aquaplaning. He didn't call for the session to be stopped, and he wa- he obviously thought conditions might get worse if I can get a lap in, a flying lap in, then I can get pole here, and he did. Like, Lando Norris did what I want Formula One drivers to do. 
he hung it out. He put it all out there. He was like, I can do this. I didn't. He crashed. Um, incidentally, on the new bump on Rouge, which I think has caught a few people out, you know, the whole grid very near of W Series. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, if you if you're sat there with your with, with your little thumbs out, ready to give your opinion on uh, Formula One, by by fucking all means, do it. I am obviously I'm sat here in front of my computer right now, waffling about the this weekend's events so you know it's it would be fucking disingenuous of me to say to you guys don't um don't give your opinions on something but it's i think it's how we give our opinions on, on things and whether we're doing it in a measured and whether we're representing ourselves right that's that's what i think can, can be the problem here because it's too easy to get involved in a pylon and if you see a load of tweets that are going in a certain direction so you know like oh if i go oh michael massey is a fucking idiot uh, i'll get loads of likes and retweets on it that's dangerous because then you kind of play into the crowd so i think the thing is i don't i don't think i have a solution for what happened or even what I think should have happened. Apart from the fact I think there should have been more of a attempt to have a race. If the weekend was more flexible, it would have been nice in the morning, like first thing in the morning with all this rain coming in. Because I don't like there was a lot of talk about saying, "Oh, we didn't know this was going to happen." It's a microclimate. Yeah, you've still got satellite. You've still got satellite data. You, you know, it's, we, we've. <laughs> Uh, weather's not a new thing now. We're we're pretty good at predicting it. You know, it's, people like to try and pretend that we're not, but you know, it's especially on the day we're fairly fucking accurate with it now. Um, if they'd been more flexible, could we have run it in the morning? Could we have run it instead of was it the F three and the Porsche Super Cup? I think so. I think I think they probably could have run a Formula One race in the morning. What would you prefer? Would you prefer to see the Junior Series and um, Formula Millionaire in Porsches or would you rather watch the Formula One race? And that's where I think there might have to be a little, a slightly bit more ruthless streak with the with the spectators by saying, look, um, between the hours of 8 o'clock in the morning and half 6 at night, we will run a Formula One race. We We will give you our preferred time so our preferred time to run this Formula One race is one o'clock in the afternoon local time. That's sort of like normal Formula One time. Um, but we withhold the right to move that where we see fit and with with very short notice, like immediate short notice. And then, do you know what would happen? People would just come to the circuit here earlier. People come to the circuit earlier. The circuit would do better because more people would be on in the circuit earlier, buying hot dogs and having drinks. People would kind of make, probably enjoy the race weekend more because they'd be going to the circuit a little bit earlier. Probably have a few hours to kill, so you're going to go to like the fan zones and stuff like that a little bit more. If the people are there spending money, it will encourage the circuits to put entertainment around the place to look after these people. So. I definitely think there is there's things Formula One can do to make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, I'm still not convinced that there isn't a way to um, 
work with these cars to make them better in the rain. You know, it's that I I know that we are for some reason like the open wheel aspect aspect has never bothered me with Formula One. It's more the uh, open cockpit. I, I'm a proponent of the open cockpit. Um, but if there was some sort of wheel covers put on those cars for wet weather, um, that like loosened the spray but still cleared it away from the surface area of the tire. So your um, like my my thing's always been like is there must be a way using real real wheel rims uh, and hubcaps that would send the water out to the side of the circuit rather than directly behind them. I don't believe I I don't I can't do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fucking patron decorator and a podcast uh, host. Um, but you can't tell me with the engineers we have in Formula One that that isn't a workable solution. Anyway, I would I, I'd like to know what you guys think about this. Obviously, this is an odd podcast because it's a race review and there's been no race, although there has been a race. Very, very, very strange weekend. Um, I've got some talking points from you. Uh, this one was in for, on Twitter from uh, Bedo. Conspiracy theory uh, as to why Merck hasn't signed Russell. Lewis on a multi-year contract is uh, strictly... Uh, is this strictly driving? Does it include management ownership options? Are negotiation uh, are are they nego- negotiation succession plans prior to Lu- uh, to Lewis signing off on Russell? Um, I don't know. I think that's interesting because there has been an awful lot of which I a little bit of me thinks might just be gamesmanship from Lewis, where he's saying, "Oh yeah, you know, me and Toto, we talk about these things." You know, the, to- the decisions mine and Toto's. I don't believe there's a d- decisions Lewis Hamilton. You know, um, he's a, here's a newsflash for you. Like, th- that, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from Lewis Hamilton. He's a brilliant driver. If if Lewis Hamilton doesn't go to Mercedes and he stays in McLaren and you end up with a team of Valtteri Bottas or Nico Rosberg, Valtteri Bottas and Nico Rosberg are both multiple multi-time world champions now. Because Lewis wouldn't have won another world championship in McLaren. It's 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 not he he wouldn't have made the difference somewhere else. Mercedes made the difference for Lewis Hamilton to become great. Otherwise, he'd have just been exceptional in a lower lowest performing car. So I I don't think Lewis holds much sway on where on where Russell goes. I think the decision's made. To be perfectly honest, I think they're just in a. Uh, I think was it neck was it last week? Uh, I when we were going through the autosport um, predictions for drivers, I kept bringing Nick DeVries up because he is today's or yesterday's hot tip for Williams should Williams replace George Russell, and I think that's fucking a good thing. Um, I don't trust them. How much bollocks does Crofty talk? A fair amount, but fuck, man, when you've got three hours to fill. You've got to talk some bollocks, haven't you? I've got to say, uh, as far as the commentary goes, I'm I flip flop on Crofty's commentary quite a lot. Uh, I'm not huge into the commentary team as it stands between Brundle and um, Crofty. I think it always feels like a breath of fresh air when you get somebody new in, um, but. To play devil's advocate, 
uh, the other week when the Sky commentary wasn't on and you had that hodgepodge of people from F1 TV doing it. Jesus fuck, mate. Mate. That was... That was painful with a capital P. That was the worst. I genuinely... I genuinely believe I could have done a better job on commentary. I could have just strolled in, strolled in, <laughs> throwing me Aston Martin, Aston Martin money around. Um, I could have strolled in and just talked, and it would have been a better experience for viewers than listening to the punditry team from F1 TV, which is the absolute, barring um, Will Buxton. I, I will take Bill, Will Buxton out. And the tall dude, I can't remember his name is, he does like the tech analyst analyst stuff. I like him, but he's not as good as Craig Cagabra. Um But yeah, the rest of the team, the rest of the team on Sky Sports, the uh the two male like pundits and then the the like the sort of anchor woman all need taken round to the back of the paddock and put out of their misery. It's just like I'm sorry guys. This gig is not for you. There are other people out there that could do this gig better than you. And it's if it wasn't for the fact that Sky costs like fucking £50 a month, if you just get the basic package in Formula 1 and Sky and F1 TV costs 30 quid VPN for a year and then £5 a month, I would absolutely get Sky back to to not have to live with the... the uh, before and after coverage from Formula One TV. But I suppose you get what you pay for. Um Driver of the Day. Uh my uh sorry, uh, this is from Alex Brown. Driver of the Day, Mylander or Van der Mern. I can't I couldn't say his name during the race. I take he's the ambulance ambulance car driver. Uh, yeah, they were the only ones that really got action. Driver of the day was Sergio Perez. He was uh, he was the only person that uh, managed to make get any like excitement because of his lap to the grid. Uh, NBA invite your local weatherman to talk about the rain. Yeah, that's probably the only way we could have got a proper show out of this is to review the rain. I I review that rain as a solid seven point five to eight. Uh, Andy Prayer. What, um, why was communication from race control so shit? It took them an hour of the, uh, an hour for the. It took an hour for the. To tell us, the three-hour clock had started. That's that's written really weirdly. It took an hour for them, we'll say, to tell us uh, the three-hour clock had started. Uh, nobody knew how many laps uh, had been done. Or if the race started, yeah, it was right. I tapped out really early. Um, there was a, I had my son on Sunday, and uh, we were going to watch the race together because I'm slowly, slowly sort of like gently kneading him in to Formula One. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bore him. If he wants to play with toys while it's on, that's fine. But the fact that he started recognizing drivers now, like he's. Uh, the way he says Carlos Sainz is adorable. Um, the uh, so I didn't I didn't want him to be bored. So as soon as I realised there was going to be some sort of like big delay, I thought, right, fuck it. There's a big family fun day on. Um, I went. Any of you that uh, watch 
that uh, watch any of the YouTube stuff on Musiodio or have listened to any podcasts that we've done. Um, a friend Susie was taking her daughter down there, so I met went to a family fun day with her, and we let our children run around things for a couple of hours. And I thought, well, if I just keep an eye on what's going on, I'll get like a 15-minute warning. I'm only 10 minutes away from my house, and I can fucking hightail it back to the house. And that's what I did. And as soon, as soon as it started to look like something might be happening, I ran home, got all ready, thought, fuck, I'm going to watch a race here. And then they did two laps to find the safety car and pulled in. And you go, oh, man, that's a shame. Could have stayed at the fun day. But at least I did something. But yeah, I don't know why the why the communication was so bad. Um, oh, immediate, I know before I said that it's the, the problem is maybe people putting opinions out there and banging on people when things aren't done. But it felt like it felt like leadership needed to be done, and I can't help think that if. Bernie Eccleston was still in charge, and Charlie Whiting, more importantly, was race director. I um, I think that uh, that race would have gone ahead in some form. We might not have got a full Grand Prix, and I think that's what people, maybe people see, seem to be conflating this from getting a race to getting a full race. We've red flagged races in the past after a few laps. You know, it's just, it's, but, and that's what was missing this time. I think there was a window where we could have at least got 10 to 15 minutes of racing in. If you could have got 10 to 15 minutes of racing in, I think this whole problem disappears because it, again, shows Formula One tried and they, they just didn't fucking try, did they? Um, Kieran Thompson was the bull really closest to the jack. I take it uh, you're talking about the marshals that were playing bulls. Um, I thought it was dead funny, wasn't it? No idea. They just seem to throw balls at each other. I don't know what the rules are. I, I think uh, you only understand the rules of bulls or bowls uh, when you hit sixty, and then it's like a download. It's like you you get the you get the senior citizens hobby patch. Uh, Steve Barton, fantastic weekend uh, by Mazeppin, no spins and fastest lap. It's got to take your hat off to him. He's got himself a fastest lap. Uh, contract hangover for Checo. He didn't cover himself in glory, did he? You know, considering this was his first, like his first race with his new contract in his pocket. Fucking kind of fucked it on the out lap. But what what you going to do at least he's got his contract he probably would have felt a little bit more silly if they hadn't have done uh, should F1 consider for the future to have the ability to postpone a race until Monday morning or afternoon uh, I know there's been a lot said about marshals personally I believe that if um, Formula 1 needed marshals in 24 hours they could cycle themselves together a team of marshals to marshal the Belgian Grand Prix uh, it's it's everything else though, isn't it? You know, it's your t- TV. Um, when does it get televised? Uh, like Sky would Sky and F1 TV wants to put a race on, but they also want people to watch it. If you're going to put it on in the afternoon, in the um, people are going to be at work. Uh, the same with the crowd. You know, there's you have people coming from all over the world to go to Formula One races. Most of the time, they go back on the Monday, so doesn't work too well i'm much i'm a much bigger fan of having a more dynamic weekend so you can 
between Saturday and Sunday, they they can sw- switch things around more and more. I will point out racing. If there had been a qualifying race here instead of normal qualifying, would ran quali on the Friday and done the qualifying race on the Saturday, we'd have had a race. And I think this is why it's important to have more points for the qualifying races if we do them. We'd have already seen a Grand Prix before the Grand Prix got cancelled. And I think, especially for weekend ticket holders, that would have been a lot more palatable if they'd actually seen a motor race. Um, CZW? CZW? I don't know. What if that's a crazy that's a crazy Twitter name? What is it with crazy Twitter names? It's just fucking mental. Um what happens to album next year? Red Bull backed IndyCar entry. No way he's gonna stay in in, in um DTM. Uh Helmut Marco has turned around and said they're gonna do everything in their power to get album back on the um uh on a Formula One grid next year. Everything in their power to me, like if if you say like, well, what what are your powers, Mister Marco? He said, well, we 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 could try and get him in another team. All right, okay, but you said everything in your power. So everything, all the tools you have available to you in your power, would be to stick him in one of your cars. Now, the Red Bull big team is all taken up, so that's fine. Uh, Toro Rosso isn't, so. I think he's going to replace Sonoda because Sonoda is just not working out for um, Formula One, is he? So yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be AlphaTauri with Gasly. Uh, and I forgot to put my phone on silent, so that's that's not good, is it? Um, so yeah, that was your that was your talking points. Thank you. We've managed to get a show out of this. I didn't. There'll be some fucking scummy adverts shoved in the middle because I forgot to. Um, I forgot to say something about adverts being in the middle. Sorry, it's been an odd podcast, hasn't it? Um, other than that, we have Zanvot to look forward to. It's going to be an absolute belter. I think it's going to be a scary race, and I think there's a potential for a fucking big accident there because that looks. Parts of that circuit seem so fast. Uh, hopefully, we get racing. I think if we I think if the same thing happens there, and uh, I I I genuinely genuinely hope, and I think you guys will do because you know, um, I I've been around the Dutch a little bit. I didn't spend a lot a long time with you guys, but I was I've, I've been around. Uh, and you seem a fun-loving, funny bunch of people. I do hope you go easy on Lewis Hamilton after the Silverstone incident. Let's not have, like, anything grim. Boo? I don't mind booing. I hate it when people say you shouldn't boo. But, yeah, um, I I hope people are fair to Lewis. Um, And if there's no race happens, I think the orange guys might actually riot. So, yeah, there's that to think about. But anyway, the Zandvoort's on its way. There will be a hot lap at some point uh, next week, be it on the Monday morning or the Tuesday morning. 
there will be a there will be a hot lap podcast. This should have been out yesterday, but unfortunately, I had a fam, family funeral to go to yesterday, so that was a bit grim. Um, so that's that's why we're late this week. But there'll be more hot lap. There'll be more me. I'll be on social media at a total shunt uh, on Twitter, nattering my way through through the through the race. If you want to speak to me. Uh, other than that, I hope you have a lovely rest of the week and a lovely weekend, and I will speak to you next week. Mwah! Side note, if you haven't uh, signed up to the Patreon, you should probably sign up to the Patreon. If you go to Lee Stevens Content Creator, you can help support everything I do. Uh, it's on Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.